Good morning. My, my name is Karl Möller, and I'm a member of this 11 o'clock congregation here at St. Ys. It's great to be with you all this morning. But why, I wonder, are you here? What is it that made you come to church? What is it that made you come to this church on this Sunday morning? Perhaps you're here for the first time. Perhaps you've been coming for years. But again, why do you actually come to church? What are your expectations? What would make this a good Sunday morning for you? Is it about the worship? Or is it about other things besides? Is it about the tea and coffee afterwards? Now, I didn't know about the demonstration we had, so maybe that sounds less appealing now. Is it about the conversations you hope to have? Is it about the people who, ho who you hope to meet? Is it about connection? Is it about community? What are your hopes and expectations? I'm sorry I'm bombarding you with questions, which is probably not why you're here this morning. But what does it mean to walk in the way of Jesus? That is what our current um, sermon series is asking. And we've been exploring that from a number of different angles. And Paul actually asks the very same question but also from a specific perspective in Romans 12. It's a brilliant text, I think, but it does hold quite a few challenges for us. Paul's starting point is to say that we are called to be different. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't think like everyone else around you. Don't be infected by all that self-absorption, the self-promotion, the vitriol on social media. Don't be taken in by all the negativity, the inhumanity, the gracelessness and godlessness in the media propaganda and the thoughts and words of some of our politicians. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We'll have to come back to how we might go about that, how we can be transformed. But let's first look at how we are meant to be different. Rather than taking ourselves too seriously, says Paul, we're called to serve one another. And so as part of our sermon series on walking in the way of Jesus, today we're considering what it means to walk in the path of serving others. Romans 12 is a typical Pauline text, which means there's a lot in it. So if we were to try and look at everything in this passage, we would never get to our tea and coffee afterwards. So 
To help us weave our way through this text, I thought that we would look at it under three headings. And here's my first. Watch out for the other. Watch out for the other. And it captures for me these points. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Be devoted to one another. Honor others above yourself. Practice hospitality. Be willing to associate with people of low position and share with those in need. Let's begin with the points at the bottom of this list. Practicing hospitality, mixing with everyone regardless of their position and sharing with people in need. It's all about watching out for the other, regardless of who they are. It is not about clever networking, you know, the kind of networking that's so important in the business and academic worlds, for example. It's not about relating to the right people to secure our own position and influence. No, it's about watching out for those who may be struggling, who may, it seems, to have little to give us. It's about relating to them in a way that recognizes their humanity and their infinite worth as people created in the image of God. It's about relating to them in a way that allows them to be who they were created to be. As spiritual writer Henri Nouwen once said, hospitality creates a space where the other is free to sing their own songs, speak their own languages, dance their own dances, and follow their own vocations. That's what it means to recognize the humanity in the other. We don't prescribe who and how they must be, but grant them the freedom, in Nouwen's in beautiful words, to sing their own songs, to dance their own dances, and to follow their own vocations. Serving others, or actually honoring them, as Paul prefers to put it, is about being devoted not to securing our own interests, making sure that our own needs, aims, or desires come first, but actually to ensuring that the needs, aims, and desires of the other person are seen and heard and valued as much as our own, or actually, as Paul insists, even ahead of our own. Now, that, of course, is truly countercultural, but it's also truly counterintuitive. Even in the context of the church, which is why, of course, Paul raises that issue, why he sees it as important to talk about this. All too often, the other is merely seen as an obstacle in the way, something to be removed to guarantee the smooth functioning 
of our own agenda. And all too often, that is to do with the other not being valued as a person who is free, again, to sing their own songs, to follow their own vocations. I've already alluded to our Christian belief that everyone walking on this earth is created in the image of our God. Think about that for a moment. Every person walking on the face of this earth is created in God's image. What an absolutely awesome concept that is. Trappist monk Thomas Merton, while walking through the shopping district of Louisville, Kentucky one day, realized what this meant. Suddenly, he said, he realized what we all are. And if only everybody could realize this, but it can't be explained. There is no way of telling people that they are all walking around shining like the sun. Then it was as if I suddenly saw the secret beauty of their hearts. The person that each one is in God's eyes. If only they could see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. There would be no more war. No more hatred. No more cruelty. No more greed. But this cannot be seen. Only believed. To be able to honor others above ourselves, we must see their intrinsic and holy worth as people who've been created in the image of God. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, if we feed the hungry, offer hospitality to the stranger, clothe the poor, look after the sick and visit those in prison, then we don't, then we've done that to him, not for him, but to him. Because in these people, we are encountering none other than Jesus himself. Don't treat others as dispensable objects, Paul says. Honor them above yourself. Honor them as those in whom you meet the living God. Secondly, pursue peace and goodness. Be peace-loving, living at peace with everyone. Hate evil and cling to the good. Don't take revenge, but overcome evil with good. What struck me was Paul's emphasis on peace and the good as things that need to be pursued actively. Hate evil. Cling to the good. Overcome evil with good. Paul doesn't say stay out of conflict. Make sure you watch things from the sidelines. He's fully aware that we may find ourselves in situations where that is not possible. Indeed, there may be situations 
where overcoming evil specifically calls for our involvement, where to stay out of things would actually allow evil to continue unhindered and unchallenged. And there are so many examples of this historically. For the evil of slavery to be stopped, an active stand had to be taken against it. For the evil of, uh, of racial segregation to be challenged, people had to stand up against that. And for the evil of women having no vote or no right to uh, possess property, that too had to be challenged. And there's so much evil, isn't there, in our world these days that needs to be overcome, that desperately needs to be overcome with good. We're all too aware of the injustice that leads to an ever-widening gap between the super-rich and the poor, not just globally, but also in our own country in the UK. Or the ways in which people coming to us for sanctuary are publicly and shamelessly treated without a trace of honesty, humanity, or compassion. Or the evils committed against our planet, which are continuing to destroy the very world that we depend on for our survival. It's heartening to see that there are many good people out there who are taking an active stand against those evils. And maybe some of us need to ask ourselves what our role might be or could be in, in connection with all these things. But the challenge of overcoming evil with good may also apply to our personal lives, where we may be facing injustices at home or at work. Being treated unfairly is something that can happen in many different contexts. And it's something that can be very difficult to negotiate. So how can we overcome evil with good? How can we be and remain peace-loving in an environment that isn't? How can we live at peace with those that continue to provoke, to diminish, and to harm us? How can we then still cling to the good? A little earlier, I mentioned Thomas Merton, a monk and writer who, despite living in a, in a, hermit, in a hermitage, quite, in a, quite a withdrawn sort of way, he engaged with many of the most controversial issues of his time, the US-Vietnam War and Christian approaches to war more generally, nuclear armament during the Cold War period, or, or the North American civil rights struggle. And in being involved in all these things, Merton recognized very clearly the danger of those fighting evil and injustice to adopt the very same aggressive, peaceless approach or rhetoric or attitude of those they were fighting. And again, I think the same applies in any context, not just in the, on the bigger public scene, but also in our personal lives. The danger, to put it crudely, is 
that if the, the other fights dirty, we might not be that far behind. So let's ask again, how can we avoid that? How can we be over, or how can we overcome evil and live at peace with everyone? Well, Paul actually provides the answer himself. In fact, that's where we started when we read Romans 12, with a statement that provides us with our third and final point. Get a different perspective, Paul says. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is vitally important if we are to do any of those things that Paul talks about in this chapter. It's necessary if we are to serve or honor others above ourselves. It's necessary if we are to practice the kind of hospitality that allows the other to pursue their own vocations, as we said earlier. It's necessary if we are to be and to remain peace-loving, clingers to the good, and people who overcome evil with good. But how can we do that? How do we get a different perspective? How can we be transformed by the renewing of our mind? Indeed, how can our mind be renewed? Paul addresses this in his letter to the Philippians, where he says that we must fill our mind with good things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If we are to overcome evil with good, then we must focus on the good. We must let our mind be transformed or recalibrated, if you like, by the good. It's so easy and sadly so instinctive to focus on the bad. To focus on the deplorable words, actions, and attitudes of those who are responsible for the dam damaging developments in our world today, either on the public scene or in our personal lives. It's so easy to focus on the bad. Don't do that, says Paul. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think there are some practices that can help us to do this. There's a reason why we used to talk about the need to have a quiet time or a time with God, why it's helpful to keep reading God's word because that can help to readjust our perspective on things. Set morning or evening prayers can be useful. My wife Maya and I are currently going through a really challenging time. And it's really easy to get 
drag down or to drag each other down by focusing on the difficult, by focusing on the, on the problematic, by focusing on the bad. But we've, we've made a commitment in order to actually keep sane, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, we've made a commitment to, it's not a big thing, but to just every evening say the Northumbria evening prayer together. And it helps us to focus on some good, healthy words. Some of us here at St. I think, are using Lectio 365, which is available as a smartphone app. It gives you a time to just focus on something really good and positive. Some Christians in the early church learned biblical verses by heart to recall and repeat them, and that way basically make sure that those dark and sinful thoughts were pushed out of the way when those thoughts were threatening to overwhelm them. Others, especially in the Orthodox Church, have traditionally used for a long time the so-called Jesus prayer to do the same thing. Jesus, or Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me. Some have been using that to repeat that in their minds when they were overwhelmed or threatened to be overwhelmed with dark thoughts. And then there's the prayerful silence, sometimes called meditation, but more properly described as contemplation. Here, the aim is to empty your mind of any disturbing or otherwise unhelpful thoughts by repeating a prayer word, such as the word Maranatha. Again, this is a very old Christian practice which for hundreds of years has been kept alive, especially in the monasteries. But it's become more common again um, in recent times. It doesn't matter which of these practices you adopt. You may have other thoughts, other ideas, other practices that you use. But I think it is important that we adopt an active approach. The transformation by the renewing of our mind and thus our serving or honoring of others, our active pursuit of peace and goodness, none of these things happen miraculously by themselves. We become a good runner by running. I'm not. I don't run. We become a good cook by cooking. We become a good writer by writing. And we become a transformed, other-centered, peaceable person by allowing for our mind to be transformed with the help of transformative spiritual practices, practices that our own emotional and spiritual sanity and actually those of the people around us so desperately need and depend on. I urge you, says Paul, to offer yourself to God in this way. Amen.